Thank you for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. Our mission is to create space for all people to experience the compassionate love of the Father and to discover the calling He has for their life. Please enjoy the message today, recorded live inside the Wilson Performing Arts Auditorium at Platte County High School in Platte City, Missouri. Okay, well, so last week, if you were here, do we need more lighting in the back? It's good? It's good, Vince. Are you comfortable? Do you need anything? Can I get you a snack or something? I mean, good. All right, good. All right, so, so last week, we had the opportunity to, we, we dove in, we talked about Jonah, who, who wasn't obedient the first time when God called him. And because of that, uh, he ended up in a pretty... Uh, strange situation that none of us could say we've ever been in, but we all know what it's like to probably not be quite obedient the first time when God is asking us to do something. But in this story, we're going to talk about today, is another scenario, another young man who was chosen by God and used in a mighty way, and his name is Daniel. Now, I, the main, one, of the, one of the differences is, is Jonah did eventually go to where he was supposed to go and actually proclaim the gospel, the good news of God and forgiveness and, and, and salvation with his mouth. And people were radically changed by that. Daniel, on the other hand, he served and, and, met, and was, a, was a messenger for God and was a witness for God by his actions. And just by his faithful obedience in times of really difficult moments, Daniel's obedience and his, his witness, if you will, impacted people all around him. And so I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Daniel or not. Uh, obviously, there is a book in the Bible called the book of Daniel, so you might want to go start finding that now. We're really going to camp out a lot right in Daniel chapter 9 is where we're going to spend most of our time, but we're going to kind of like breeze through real fast just to give you a bird's eye view of Daniel and his life and the impact that his story has for us today. All right, so you guys ready for that? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for its words. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for this worship today. Thank you for those precious little kids. Thank you for these pencils, God. Thank you that we do speak over just something simple as a writing instrument to be held in the hand of a human being that will remind them that they're not alone. My guess is today in this room there are people who need to be reminded that they're not alone. Maybe it's you. Maybe as you're listening to this, yeah, that's why I'm here today, God. I just need somebody to tell me that I'm not alone. Well, for one, you're not because you're here with us. You're here in this place. So, God, thank you. More importantly, you are here with us in this place. Would you speak? And when you speak, would we listen? And when we listen, would we respond? And see um, change. Change not only in our own life, but in the lives of those that we have a contact with. Those we can impact um, by our faithfulness to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Daniel, young man, taken from his home in Jerusalem by King Nebuchadnezzar, held captive in Babylon. It was about 605 B.C. And if you look on a map... It's about 500 miles or so as a crow flies from Jerusalem to Babylon. So it wasn't like they just went to Smithville. They went a long way away from their home, from their cult. Everything that they knew was familiar. We have a uh, 
couple young ladies in the room today that are foreign exchange students. And bless you. Thank you so much for being here. And they uh, are learning what it's like to be in a different culture, <laughs> uh, different foods, all kinds of things that are just not quite the same. But praise God, this is not Babylon, all right? You're not in Babylon. You're in Platte City. It's a little different. But Babylon would be today modern-day Iraq. And it's interesting if you look, and if you look at some information about Babylon today, it's like a tourist trap. There's like a gift shop, you know. <laughs> Come and see the great city that used to be, a Babylon. It's not quite the same anymore, which actually, if you look at the scripture and you see the story, God said after the 70 years of the people in Jerusalem, the, God's people being there, that it was going to be reduced to not much of anything, and that is the truth. So Daniel had three friends, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. They were uh, chosen with Daniel by this guy named Ashpenaz. He was the king's uh, eunuch. He was, was to take these young men, the best of the best, train them up in the Babylonian way so they could learn their culture and their language. They were also known, as you may know them, as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, Daniel's name was Belteshazzar. Like, that's what they called him, like, in that culture, but we call him Daniel. Daniel and his friends, they set themselves apart from the very beginning when they say, you know what, we don't want to eat the king's food. The king's food is great, but it's too rich. There's, too much, it's, there's wine, there's all this fine food. And we would rather just eat vegetables and drink water. Have you ever heard anybody do the Daniel fast? Has anybody in here ever done the Daniel fast? Have anybody ever had your wife try to get you to do the Daniel fast? <laughs> you know, hey, let's just eat vegetables and drink water for like 30 days. Yeah, no. That does not seem like a good idea. I had some friends just recently came over for dinner, and they were like, we're really trying to be more vegan. I had to like Google what that was, had to try to figure out what to cook them. It was not easy. There was no meat involved. I was not happy, but I lived. And it was actually pretty good, by the way. Uh, and I'm still, actually, I felt pretty good after eating that. So the Daniel fast, many sermons have been preached just by this particular passage alone. Because in this passage it said, Daniel chose not to defile himself with the king's food. And so you can take that and you can mold that into, like, as Christians, followers of Jesus, making a choice not to defile ourselves, to be like the culture that we live in. Now think about how hard that was for Daniel because he was taken from his home five miles, 500 miles away. And Daniel's like, okay, I'm going to take a chance here. I am going to choose. I'm going to be in this culture. I'm going to learn it just like we're in this world. We're, we're a part of it. There's no way around it. But I'm just not going to be like everybody else around me. And that was a risk Daniel took. And actually, Asunaz says, you know what? Hey, this is a risk for me because if this doesn't go well, we're probably all going to die. But it turned out 10 days later, Daniel and his friends looked good. Their skin was clear. They were healthier. And uh, they were like, all right, that's it. The rest of you, no more king's food. Can you imagine what the rest of the people were thinking? Like, they're, whoa, wait a minute. Where's the meat? Where's the wine? What is going on? Why does this guy get to decide? But Daniel... So obedience, and you'll see all throughout the story, always had a positive impact on those around him. It changed people because of him choosing to be obedient to this God. In this story, you're going to see lots and lots of kings and kingdoms, kings and kingdoms. Matter of fact, Daniel is actually, I think he serves under like four kings in the years that are going on there. One king, 
does well for a while, and he gets taken out, and the next guy comes in, and Dan has to start all over again. When I was in high school, I had four different football coaches every single year. Now, I blame that reason alone is why I'm not in the NFL today. Yeah, pretty much I was watching Mahomes last night. I could do that. No, I can't. <laughs> Did you guys see number 17 from the Chiefs? That dude is fast. I said he's almost as fast as Jimmy Hensley. Almost. I've seen Jimmy run from Stephanie. He's fast, all right? <laughs> so I want to I real, just real quickly before we get any further into this, uh, this I want to read what is, uh, what, is Daniel's con- what is the book of Daniel, what's the contribution to the Bible as a whole, okay? So Daniel's book establishes the validity of predictive prophecy and lays the foundation for understanding end times prophecy, especially the book of Revelation in the New Testament. I think it's really interesting how these two books are so connected. There's a lot of stuff that's like going on then, but it's going to go on later. And you see some of those instances. But most importantly, it emphasizes that the Lord, don't miss this, that the Lord has dominion over all of the kingdoms of the earth. Can I get an amen? I knew Stephanie was going to give me an amen. She's just waiting, all right? The rest of you need to catch up, okay? If you need some lessons from Stephanie, meet with her later on. She'll have a, she'll have a class on how to say amen, because some of you struggle in that particular area. All right. Even in evil days when wicked empires reign, God's his kingdom, his dominion is over all the earth. Two key words in the book are king, used over 150 times, and kingdom, used over 50 times. Above all, Daniel teaches that the God of Israel is, the sovereign, is sovereign of the universe, for his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And listen, y'all, we are just a part of the story. In this little window of time that we have right here in Platte City, Missouri, we are just a part of a grander picture, something a lot bigger and a lot, there's a lot more going on than we can possibly even imagine. So I want to encourage you to do your part, <laughs> to walk out as much as you possibly can in a way that, you, that only you can uniquely walk it out is walk in obedience. Of course, you know the story in the book of Daniel. You guys know the story about the fiery furnace? How many are familiar with that story? Raise your hand. Yeah, you know, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, there was this, uh, this uh, proclamation, hey, I'm going to build this incredible statue of myself, and then everyone's going to bow down. As soon as you hear the music, everyone bows down. Now, if you don't know this story, you should rent a uh, VeggieTales version of this story. It's just like, like uh, Daniel 101, all right? Just real easy little version for you there. And so everybody bows down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, nope, not doing it. Oh, poor little dude. <laughs> oh, it's okay, man. I know my preaching's not that great, but you don't have to cry about it. Some of you are crying on the inside, I know, right now. <laughs> oh, Lord, we just bless that little guy, little JD, just... Comfort him. Bless his dad. You know, what a guy. Way to go. Give it up for the dad. Taking him out. Yes. I'm still having to do that with my 23-year-old son. It's not pretty. All right. Carrying while he's crying. So 
So they go into this furnace. They're like, you know what? Whether God saves us or not, we're not bowing down to you. are not worshiping something that we're not supposed to worship. That we just, that's basic truth. God's supposed to be first. It's the first commandment. And they, they end up getting thrown into the fire. And not only is it them into the fire, the king looks in and says, wait a minute. I thought there was only supposed to be three. Why is there four? It's this pre-incarnate uh, representation of Christ, Jesus, walking with them in the midst of the fire. They're not alone. Man, isn't that good news today? Can't that preach? Like you're not alone in the midst of the fire, in the midst of this struggle. Uh, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon's take on this particular passage, he says, We must go into the furnace if we would have the nearest and dearest dealings with Christ Jesus. we got to go into the furnace. And nobody's like, hey, yeah, pick me, throw me into the furnace. But you know what? Some of you are there right now, this minute, today. You are in this moment of testing, moment of trial. Some of you, I know it because I've heard your story and we've talked about it recently. You were there and you're like, man, it doesn't feel like God is with me. I feel like I'm kind of all alone. Anybody feel that way? Come on, just come with me today. Do you feel that way? Yes. You're like, man, I'm in the midst of this. Nobody knows. Okay, first of all, some, maybe people don't know because you haven't told them yet. You need to tell them, okay? Like, obviously, these guys were in public. Everybody knew they were in trouble. But you need to let people know. You need to let people in. You need to let Jesus in to come. Do you think they were like, oh, no, Jesus, we got this. No, Jesus, please help us because we don't have any idea what's going to happen. How does what you are currently going through in your life right now feel like you are in a furnace? Do you think about it? And then I want to ask you this question. How can you find Christ near to you in this moment. Okay? Now listen, I know some of you are like, gosh darn it, I wish he would quit doing this. I'm going to stop coming to this church if Brady keeps doing this. This is another opportunity for you to get real. If you're in the furnace right now, I want you to stand up. All right, I'm not going to make you come up here, so don't freak out. You're, some of you are freaking out. Some of you are standing up on the inside, but you're not doing it on the outside. Come on, Shannon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you out. I want you to stand up right now. Come on. You can do it. Now, listen. I don't know. Well, some of it I do know, but I don't know all of it. But I know that you're in the furnace right now, and you there's, you got some struggle going on. Okay? Now, listen to this. Listen to this. God had a word from Daniel in chapter 10. Stay up. God had a word from Daniel in chapter 10, and he has the same word for you today. Daniel had gone through this, uh, this incredible revelation, this prophecy, and he was just distraught about what was going to happen. Maybe you're distraught about what's going on right now and what's happening in your world. And listen to this. Then one with a human appearance touched me, he said, again, and he strengthened me. All right, so here's what we got to do. If you are a human in this room and you're close to them, go to them right now and put your hand on their shoulder. Ask them if it's okay, but can I put my hand on your shoulder? Because Jesus is not here in the flesh, but he is in you, and so he's going to be with you in the flesh to go to those people right now. So we got some people right here that need a human touch. Okay, you cannot come to church and walk in and walk out without getting positive human touch. Okay? I've been excited about this word all week long, so don't disappoint me, all right? Come on. 
where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and the Spirit of the Lord lives in His followers, and it's through us that we help other people find freedom, right? Okay, maybe if you're, now if you're the one standing, tell somebody if you can, hey, just briefly, what it is that makes you feel like you're in the furnace, and then we're going to pray, all right? Right now, just real quickly, just give them the Reader's Digest version, then you can give them the whole story later. You can meet for coffee or something like that, okay? All right, this is the church, ladies and gentlemen. We're not a, we're not a uh, club for entertainment, Okay, if you want something like that, you can go to Power and Light. Find all kinds of entertainment there. And you think we're real right now, it's going to get more real here in just a little while, so I'm just preparing. So go ahead and pray right where you're at. Then the one with human appearance touched me again and strengthened me. And listen to what he said. Now you can say this to your people that you're praying for. Don't be afraid. Tell them right now, don't be afraid. Tell them, don't be afraid. Okay, tell them you are treasured by God. Tell them right now, you are treasured by God. Say peace to you. And tell them to be very strong. Be very strong. That's the words of the Lord, Daniel chapter 10. That's the word God gave to Daniel. That's the word he's given to you today. Finish up praying and then go back to your seats. Another major story that comes out of this book is how God allowed Daniel to interpret dreams. He interpreted dreams and he gave advice to the kings. Yes, kings, many kings, different kings that came into Daniel's life. Daniel was the only thing that was constant in Babylon and the sin, Daniel and sin. (laughs) And in chapter 4, verse 25 through 27... Listen to, listen to Daniel's words to Nebuchadnezzar. He says, You will be driven away from people to live with wild animals. You will feed on grass like cattle and be drenched with dew from the sky for seven periods of time until you acknowledge that the Most High is ruler over human kingdoms and he gives them to anyone he wants. As for the command to leave the tree's stump with its roots, your kingdom will be restored to you as soon as you acknowledge that heaven rules. That might be a word for some of you today, right now. When you finally acknowledge that heaven rules, therefore may my advice seem good to you, my king. And here's some good advice for all of us today. Separate yourselves from your sins by doing what is right and from your injustices by showing mercy to the needy. Perhaps there will be an extension of your prosperity. You want to win In the life that we're living today in this world, because the same story today is the same story it is back then. You want to win, turn from your sin. I just made that up, all right? Right there in my head, just came out. You want to win, turn from your sin. If you're still in sin and you're not turning from it, you're not going to win. Matter of fact, you will convince yourself so much that if you just keep sinning, it'll eventually turn out okay. It's not going to turn out okay. It won't. It never will. It never has. 
Daniel's obedience and faith impacted those around him. Did you know that your obedience has an effect on those around you? Because guess what? I know when I'm walking in disobedience, man, it's not good in my home. And it's toxic and it affects everybody else around me. But when I'm walking in truth and I'm trying to do the right thing and be the, the man God's called me to be, my wife is blessed by that. It encourages her, it propels her on, makes her want to be more in love with Jesus. What is another story Daniel is famous for? Anybody know? Daniel and the lion's den. All right, there's another good story. I remember these books. My mom had these books when I was a little kid. And um, we'd open up these books and all the pictures in it. And I just thought in my mind that's what everybody in the Bible looked like. Because these were these books. I don't know if you had them. They were numbered. And they're like all the way through the story. They were, yeah, yeah. They, that's, that's my, that was my theology. I grew up reading these books. In chapter 6, there was a plot against Daniel because of the favor that he was receiving from this new king, King Darius. You know how the story goes. Um, there's this proclamation saying, hey, everyone should worship King Darius for the next 30 days. Seemed like a good idea. They were trying to trap Daniel. They were trying to get him into trouble. And uh, Daniel was like, no, I'm a man of prayer. I have to pray. I can't. There's just there's nothing to it. So, so he goes and he prays. You know how it goes. The king's like distraught because he loves Daniel. And the next morning he comes and he finds out that Daniel is still alive because just like God was in the furnace, God was in the lion's den. He shut the mouths of the lion. It's a good story, isn't it? That'll preach. It's a good one. And then the king is so moved by God's deliverance and Daniel's willingness to say, you know what, test my faith, God, I don't know, like just throw me in, we'll see what happens. And listen to what uh, Darius says. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And I would love for you at this particular moment to have a moment in your life where you can say, for he has rescued, you put your name there. From the power of, and then you fill in the blank there. He rescued Brady from the power of infidelity. He, res he rescued Brady from the power of adulterous uh, lifestyle and drinking and, and carousing around. He rescued me from that life. Amen. The same God has the same power to rescue you. But do you have faith? Brady and I talked about this. Do you have faith? Do you believe? Do you really truly believe that he can do it? Are you willing to take that chance to say, you know what, it's got to be a different life from now on. I can't keep doing what I've been doing because I keep getting the same results and now something's got to change. Sounds like old time religion, doesn't it? Yeah, well, you know what, it works. Sin, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to sin. Man, there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to God's grace and his mercy and his love either. It's still the same today as it was then. I have a question for you. How can you live out your faith in such a bold way that it influences others in your home? I'm always calling out dads right now. 
It's your responsibility, dads. Do not give this responsibility to, over to anybody else in this world, in your home. It's your job. And as a dad who has daughters, I will not give a blessing to a man who's not going to lead that way. If you're not going to lead that way, then you, my daughter's hand does not belong to you. Because she belongs to the Lord. And then she belongs to me. And when you put a ring on her finger, then she'll belong to you. Prayer was not just something Daniel did. It was a part of who he was. It's kind of the key. Why pray? So I listened to this sermon, Brady, Alistair Begg. I don't know if you know Alistair Begg. He's, he's really he's a brilliant guy. He's pastored the same church in uh, Cleveland called the uh, Cleveland's Parkside Church for since 1983. Like, man, talk about long-suffering in the same place. This is what he said about prayer. He says, somehow in the economy of God, the prayers of God's people are interwoven into the unfolding of God's purpose. You know, on one hand, God doesn't need you. But on the other hand, God loves it when you need him. And you come and you pray, and you trust him, and you present your request to God. And somehow through that, through his divine economy, he uses your prayers to, to make things happen. Speaking of prayer, turn in your Bible to Daniel chapter 9. So if you got it that open, go to chapter 9. It's a very powerful prayer. It's one of the things that I noticed right off the bat when I was reading the book of Daniel. This prayer is powerful. Because you might wonder, how did the people of Israel get themselves into such a mess? Like, why was it that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, this pagan, unbelieving king, to come into his, to his people and take them away? Well, it's the same, well, it's basically the same reason why you punish your kids and discipline them when they do something wrong. Because you love them. And you cannot tolerate their bad behavior. And so you, it costs them something. And just for time purposes, let me tell you that if you want to know the answer to how the people ended up here for 70 years in exile, go to Jeremiah chapter 25. Write that down. You have to go there right now. But write Jeremiah 25 and you'll get the story. You'll get the background of how this happened and why they ended up there. And I'll, and I'll tell you, the number one reason why is because they forgot about God with the big G and they started following all these little G gods, the gods of this age. Things that seemed a lot more popular to follow, a little easier, not such great restrictions on following these other gods. And they fell in love with their own disobedience. And God said, I warned you through Moses. I've warned you through the prophets. And I'm not warning you anymore. It's time. It's time. So Nebuchadnezzar comes. They take them into exile. You know what? Nebuchadnezzar went back three different times until Jerusalem was, it got it all. You know? It was pretty thorough. 
And so you know what happens in this prayer? Daniel starts reading the Bible, and he starts reading about the history of his people, and he's realizing, oh my gosh, I I mean, I kind of knew it, but now I really know it. That's why we ended up here. That's why we're in such a mess. And I want you to think about the way life is today and the world we live in today and the way life was back then. There's not a whole lot of difference when it comes to looking around us and seeing what cult, the culture we live in and how, how much we need anybody of any age to just know that God is with them. So let's look at this prayer together. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ashuerus, a Mede by birth who was made king over the Chaldean kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books, according to the word of the Lord, to the prophet Jeremiah, that was Jeremiah 25, that the number of years for desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. I don't know how many years in at this point that he realizes it's going to be 70 years. But as far as historians go, I don't think Daniel ever left there. There's a lot of um, stories out there of what happened to Daniel's body. People were fighting over it. There's six different churches that say Daniel's body is at their church. Like it's a marketing ploy, right? Come to our church and see what's left of Daniel's body. (laughs) But it says he realized that at that time uh, the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70 years So here's what he did. So I turned my attention to the Lord, my Lord God, to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. You want want to know what you can do for your country today? Your world that we live in today, not just America. It's a bigger picture than that. Fast and pray. And this is what he prayed. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Ah, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned. We have done wrong. Acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and your ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but this day public shame belongs to us. The men of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, all Israel, those who are near and those who are far, in all the countries where you have banished them because of their disloyalty, they have shown towards you. Lord, public shame belongs to us. Our kings, our leaders, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Compassion and forgiveness belong to the Lord our God, though we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the Lord our God by following his instructions that he set before us through his servants, the prophets. And then he begins to confess. All Israel has broken your law and turned away, refusing to obey you. The promised curse written in the law of Moses. Remember, he says, I said he warned them. The servant of God has been poured out on all of us because we have sinned against him. He has carried out his words that he spoke against us and against our rulers by bringing on us a disaster that is so great that nothing like it has ever been done to Jerusalem or been done to Jerusalem has ever been done under all of heaven. 
Just as it is written in the law of Moses, all his disasters have come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our iniquities and paying attention to your truth. So the Lord kept the disaster in mind and brought it on us, for the Lord your God is righteous in all he has done, but we have not obeyed him. Now comes his request. Now, Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a strong hand and made your name renowned as it, in is, as it is in this day, we have sinned, we have acted wickedly. Lord, in keeping with all of your righteous acts, may your anger and wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. For because of our sins and iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become an object of ridicule to those around us. Therefore, our God, hear the prayer and petitions of your servant. Make your, fight, your face shine on your descendants' sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that bears your name. For we are not, it says, presenting our positions before you based on our righteous acts, as if we have anything to bring him. Like literally, like we can come in and say, you know what, God, well, based on our righteous acts, the righteous acts of at least those of us in this room, or at least some of us in this room, would you hear our prayer? Our righteousness is like a filthy rag before the Lord. But based on your abundant compassion, would you hear us? And then listen to these words. This is the thing that really got me fired up. He says, Lord, hear. Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, not for us, not for our glory, but for your glory, God. Do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. The people were disobedient, outright rebellious. It's like looking your parent in the eye and say, I don't care what you say, I'm not going to do it. I've had a few of my kids do that. And I wanted to wipe them from the face of the earth. Do you think God feels that way about us? You know he does. But he's a God of compassion and love. They were disobedient. We are disobedient. I know that's not like a popular message, but it's true. I look in the mirror and I know that it's true. But we are a people without excuse because we're on the other end of the cross. We see the mercy and the grace and the love that came through Jesus. And that's why we need him so desperately. And that's why at the end of this service, the last thing we're going to do is we're going to sing a song called Victory in Jesus. Because he is the one who wins the victory for you and me. Like if there wasn't Jesus, there wasn't like an end to this story, we'd all be left to our own devices and we just walk out of here very depressed. <laughs> Alright, I want to say this and I want you to hear this the right way. It is okay for your wardrobe to be casual as you come to church, but it is not okay for your attitude towards a holy God to be casual.
Listen, and we're all guilty of it, ladies and gentlemen. You know it's true. Ah, as my brother used to say, Mom, you'll get over it. God, you'll get over it. God winks at me in my sin. He, does, he really, does he really care what I'm doing? Oh, for crying out, yeah, yeah, he does. He cares so much that he gave Jesus to pay the price for your sin. That's how much he cares. Listen, church. What distinguishes us, this is a, this is a quote from a guy named Herman Veldkamp. What distinguishes us from the world is not that we are less wicked, but that by the grace of God we have learned to see our wickedness for what it is, and we confess our sins. The church is the only body on earth that confesses sin. Think about it. Starbucks doesn't confess sin. You don't go to work to confess sin. You don't go to school to learn to confess sin, unless you go to a Christian school, and they might teach you. Where the confession of sin dies out, the church is no longer the church. We do not need the church. If we're not able and willing to come and be bold and honest before our brothers and sisters and before the throne of God and to say, you know what? Yeah, they were talking about Daniel's people, but you know what? They were talking about me. They were talking about us. I'm going to finish with this story. I'm going to have the, um, the worship team go ahead and come on up. Do you remember when you were a little kid? How many of you remember uh, standing next to your mom in the front seat of a car driving down the road? How many of you remember that? Yeah. Some of you kids have no clue. So you have like, I do not remember those days, but I remember those days. Now car seats expire. Back then, the only way your car seat was going to expire is if your mom, like, died. Because <laughs> she was your car seat. And there was a story about a little boy and his mom. They were driving down the road, and the mom at least had the sense to say, Sweetheart, you need to sit down. You need to sit down. And he wouldn't sit down. He wouldn't listen. And finally, she uh, used her seatbelt to place him down on his bottom in the seat of the car said, you need to sit there. And the little boy looked at his mom and he says, I might be sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. And some of you right now, we come into church, we're willing to put on the religious face, at least for a little while, and we're sitting down, but on the inside, we're standing up in the face of God and saying, I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do because it costs me too much. But I look good. I'm sitting down. But on the inside, we're standing up in defiance and rebellion. And it's time for that to change. It's time for us to say, I am willing to let what's going on in the inside and the outside come together and match. So I called you to do something earlier that was pretty hard. Some of you did it, and I'm proud of you and pray that you felt God's presence and that you're not alone any longer because people are there with you. But I know that some of you come in today, and you are in bondage because of your sin. You are struggling, and you don't know how to get out of it. And you think, maybe if I just come to church, maybe if I just sit on the outside, or you know, on my outside, I'll just sit there. Maybe that's enough. No, God's wanting you to get in agreement 
Some of you need to stand up and you need to say in the best way that you know possibly how to say it. You just need to say it and say, you know what? I am here today and I am a sinner and I need somebody to pray for me. Is there anybody in this room willing to do that? Just calling you out right now. You're willing to stand up and say, you know, I don't care who else. You don't have to confess your sin, your specific sin. You can do that between the Lord and maybe people who pray with you. But who, who's willing to say, you know what, I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a Savior. And I need to stand up today. And I need to say, I'm a sinner. That's what the church is for. The church is for confession. Is there anybody here that bold? Jimmy, stand up. I know you're a sinner, man, because I'm just like you, brother. Sorry, I called Jimmy out because he's my friend, you know. Well, here's the good news. There is a Savior, and his name is Jesus. And he hears you. He forgives you. He's listening. He's wanting to act on your behalf. So, Father, right now, as we get ready to sing victory in Jesus, we speak forgiveness. We speak freedom. But the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. The Holy Spirit is here. It's present. It's with us. Father, would you set the captives free? I speak, I just feel led to do this, I speak against depression, I speak against the darkness of depression that's, that's got people held back, they're not able to be free, they're not able to be, you call them to be, we speak against it right now in the name of Jesus, and if you want to agree with me, just say amen, amen. Just because I know some of the stories and I know some of the battles some people are fighting in this room. I speak against alcoholism right now in the name of Jesus. Would you set people free from the desire to ever drink again? That they would choose you over a drink every single time. And the blessing of that will, will impact their home, their workplace, their families, everybody they come in contact with. I pray that you would silence the voices of the people who want them to stay in their depravity, who invite them back in depravity. We say silence their voices right now in the name of Jesus. There are other things that I'm not, that I'm not realizing right now, that you're struggling with right now, but you know what they are. And God, I pray you'd meet them. Give them that human touch. Let them know to be strong. Let them know not to be afraid. Let us sing about this victory that comes because of our faith in Jesus. Let us sing like we've never sung before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for choosing this podcast from the Calling Community Church. We hope it leaves you encouraged. If you need more information about the church or need to talk to someone about prayer or faith in Jesus, please visit our website, thecallingcommunitychurch.com and fill out the contact form. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a blessed day.